This is working to be. It is Friday, August, or I'm sorry, September 18th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kerm will join us in a little bit. And our our guest today on working the beat. We have a football Friday. We'll have all the usual football Friday stuff, uh, but we got to talk about the Phillies first. And what a disaster this is turning out to be for this organization who is riddled by injuries at this point and who is at a crossroads as their final home series takes place this weekend against the Blue Jays. They go on the road against the Nationals and the Rays heading into next week. And then that's it. And right now they're a half game up in the wild card race over the Cardinals who play lots of Royals and lots of Pirates over the last week. And this team is limping and this bullpen is historically awful. And so Jim Salisbury from NBC Sports Philadelphia will join us uh, on the old podcast. We'll discuss just Jimmy and I on this one. And then Mike will join us later. Uh, we'll discuss what goes on here, what the future is, uh, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, even if they do make the playoffs. I, I'm I'm really getting to the belief, my own opinion, that um, it might be time to just make changes no matter what. Um, because this is, um, you know, for the payroll they have, this is unacceptable. And I think everybody would say that. Then Mike and I will go over Football Friday. We'll get into Eagles-Rams. That is Sunday. Um, at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, feels like a must-win game for the Eagles coming up. Uh, and we'll, like I said, give our picks. We'll talk about college football, which is slowly but surely resuming. Uh, the SEC comes back next weekend. Big Ten comes back in about a month, as we found out earlier in the week. Sounding like the Pac-12 is starting to make that leap forward as well. So a lot to get to, and we won't waste any more time because we had Jim Salisbury on the horn and ready to go. Jimmy will join us after this brief timeout. Phillies wrap up their home schedule this weekend. They have four against the Toronto Blue Jays, which will start on Friday afternoon with the doubleheader. Who will pitch that is going to be a mystery. Uh, And so for all things Phillies, we turn to the man on the man who knows almost everything about this team from NBC Sports Philadelphia. It's Jim Salisbury. Jim, how are you? Doing all right, Kev. How you doing, bud? Hanging in there, man. Uh... I, I wept for you guys with the four-hour game last night. <laughs> really, I mean, it's uh, – how bad is it right now with this product, and especially when it gets to the bullpen? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's as bad a bullpen as I've seen um, in all my years of covering baseball anywhere, really. It's like they've almost become this caricature of what a bad bullpen is. <laughs> Because, you know, they get a good offense. They often get leads. They often hand leads to the bullpen. And you can almost set your watch by it that the bullpen, <clears throat> excuse me, is not going to protect the lead. It's going to blow the lead and often horrifically. 
And uh, that's what we've seen. And it's just becoming a almost a Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, how will the bullpen, you know, blow this lead tonight? They uh, mi- will. Will Hector Neris drop the ball yeah. on the mound and put the <laughs> the, the uh, go ahead run in scoring position? Um, you know what breaking ball that Brandon Workman throws will get hit over the wall or in the gap? Um, you know they thought they had fixed this thing at the trade deadline, but in reality, it's become worse. So it's it's really hard to see, and it's such a different year. Um, in that, you know, as a writer, we're not in the clubhouse really to get the pulse of the team. But um, having seen bad bullpens over the years, I know it can be very, very demoralizing on an offense, especially an offense that competes like this one does for nine innings and puts runs on the board. So I would imagine their position players, um, you know, most of them don't articulate it, won't articulate it. But, man, when they walk out of that clubhouse and get in their car, it's 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 really demoralizing. It's like, you know, what are we going to do now to win a ball game? And there's a sense of dread every time the bullpen door swings open, and that's just not a, uh, a good way to play the game. And I even see it in these relievers' eyes. You can see they're afraid to make a mistake because almost like they know they're going to make a mistake. So it, it's really brutal, and it's no way to – play the game and it's especially no way to play the game when there's a playoff um berth albeit a much different kind of playoff berth (laughs) eight teams only 60 games etc you know that playoff berth being on the line so yeah that's a long-winded answer that's a long-winded way long-winded way of saying it's been terrible (laughs) right well one of the things in, in in andy mcphail's press gathering at the end of last year he talked about how the bullpen had improved in the second half they kind of hung their hat on that that they had made, they thought they had found a breakthrough. And you bring a better pitching coach in theory in, in Brian Price. So why has this become such a trash heap at this point and, and a dumpster fire? Well, bullpens are so volatile. We know that. Right. Um, they're, up and, they're up and down, and they were up you know, at times late last year. They even had a pretty good run for about 13 games this season when they kind of made some hay after Harper said we need to win 9-10. Uh, all of a sudden, they started getting outs. I mean, uh, Tommy Hunter is a much maligned character um, among the fan base, but he had about 11 or 12 really good outings. Right. Sort of led a bullpen revival. But, um, you know, why is this so bad? You know, you, you, know the, you know why. I mean, they they sunk their resources into other areas. They don't want to go over the luxury tax. Uh, so they went into the this season with the same cast of characters that they had banking on some improvements in guys, improved health and improved performance that haven't come. Uh, they were hopeful that Sir Anthony Dominguez would be a contributor, and obviously he's not. His injury is going to impact three seasons. I mean, that's just astounding to me how that thing has been managed. Um, but, um, you know, that's why. And bullpens, like, you know, they, they feed off uh, momentum, good good momentum and bad momentum. And they got on a bad roll, and uh, and that's that. You know, you, you can't outrun a bad bullpen, and uh, this team is going to have a really tough time doing that uh, and making an eight-team postseason with a $200-plus million-dollar payroll. Uh, and if you're not in this eight-team postseason, you have, a, you have a big problem. 
And, you know, even if you get in this 18 postseason with a 500 record, I mean, I don't think that's anything to have a, par- a parade about, you know? Yeah, if you go get your butt kicked by the Dodgers in two out in L.A., I mean, what do you really have the show for it at this but point? 500, does that make you a good team? No. I don't, you know, you know you're, you're a playoff team, okay. You're, it you're makes you what you've year. been. A weird year. It's been, it, it makes you what you've been, really, over the last three, four years anyway. I mean. Yeah, not good enough. Not good Definition enough. Definition of mediocrity. And. and, and, and you know. go, no, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, it's 500, the definition of mediocrity. Um, so much more was expected out of this team, and this stretch drive is just leaving a real real bad taste. And, uh, you know, they got pantsed by this bullpen. Cause, and, and there's been other things that have gone wrong with the bullpen is the, is the most consistent um, thing that has blown up in their face. And, you know, it's not second-guessing. Um, everybody knew this bullpen was going to be, uh, a bold face question mark. And it's proven to be much more than that. And what I think is disturbing is that there were some questions about the starting rotation beyond Wheeler and Nola coming in. And I think for the most part, your starters have been okay. They haven't been lights out, but they've been decent enough to go with this lineup that if you had any kind of representative bullpen, you probably are, you probably are not sweating out these this final week at all. Yeah, it's been it ha, it ha, you know the top two guys have been very good. Arietta had a, had a couple of good starts, but you know not nearly enough. But now he's done for the season. Eflin's been pretty good, um, but you know starting pitching's been adequate enough that they shouldn't be scuffling for the eighth and final playoff spot. Uh, the undoing this team is 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 really one area. Um, the bullpen. Surprisingly, the defense has not been uh, very good. They've had right. problems here and there, but the one consistent that will bring that has brought this team down, put them in this predicament, um, is the bullpen. Not enough talent, not enough performance, too much kind of hoping and praying that things go right, and things haven't gone right. What do you think it's like for John Middleton right now? Oh, I'm sure he's furious. <laughs> he's a very, uh, we know he's a competitor. We know he wants to win. We know this is his hometown team. Uh, we know, you know, it's documented how bad he wants to win a World Series again. And He has spent a lot of money on this team. And I'm sure it is, is galling, I mean, for him to see these nightly meltdowns in the bullpen. It, it should be. It should be on anybody. It should be on the players, on the manager. Sure, it is on the manager. I think he hides it pretty well, but I'm sure this, I'm sure he, he gets in his car and says, what the hell is going on here? Because he's a guy who used to. He used to have a Mariano at the back end. I mean, you know, he, yeah, he had Mariano and he also had an organization that, you know, they just didn't tolerate crap and, and mediocrity and, and poor performance. They, they, they did something about it. And, you know, the Phillies did something about it at the trade deadline. Um, uh, but, you know, they basically got other teams cast offs. Guys are having, other than um, I make, um, the guy Phelps from Phelps, Milwaukee right. was having a good year. But the other guys were struggling and, and, and they continue to struggle. You're hoping to get catch lightning in a bottle, hope, hope for a change of scenery, and, and, it, and it hasn't happened. So I'm sure John Middleton is, is very upset with this because uh, – uh, he knows he, he he wants to win. He knows his fan base wants to win, and and this is hard hard to watch. I mean, the fans are furious. Why wouldn't the guy who's spending all the money be furious? And, and there's been this question about you know that they have not gone over to luxury tax, and they've purposely tried to avoid going over to luxury tax. And people are like, well, that you know, John Middleton's for some, you know, the 
pinch pennies. If you have a two hundred million dollar payroll, you shouldn't have to worry about you know you shouldn't have to worry about going over to luxury tax to have a representative bullpen. I mean, I, this I is, agree. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this isn't you know John Middleton being cheap by any in my mind, but it, it, getting back to Middleton's mindset, even if they do make the playoffs, even if they do get in this as a seven or an eight seed, do you think he would consider making changes here based on what he's seen this year? Yeah, I think he would consider it. Absolutely. I mean. I had to sit down with him on opening day. Right. I asked. I said, uh, you know, it's a sixty-game season. Can you can you make evaluations on your front office? I mean, you know, they were on thin ice coming into the season. Jobs were on the line. I think we all knew that. Um, you know, when he steps up last fall and fires the manager's general manager's hand-picked manager mm-hmm. uh, to, to over the protests of the general of the protests of the general manager. And, and you know the general managers on thin ice. So, I mean, the question was framed, can you make eva- uh, evaluations on front office in a 60-game season through a pandemic? Is that a, too short of a sample size? And he said, no, you're constantly under evaluation, and you certainly can. So, you know, I take him on his word at that. Uh, I don't know if he'll make changes, but if he does, I think it's completely justifiable. And especially, you know, it was I was thinking about this, and I, I said it yesterday. You know, we both were – I think we were – you were – in Washington, I know I was in 2005 when an 88 win Phillies team missed the playoffs by a game to the Astros. Okay, had Ryan I was ha- there? Yeah, you were there. Had Ryan? I was, the club- I was in the clubhouse when Houston won that game and watching on that Ed small Wade- TV, right? <laughs> like- yeah, Ed Wade walked through and his face turned white. Um, and you know, if they squeak in and make that wild card, he might survive and. He might be the guy that drives the ship through the good years. You just don't know in this game. And, and that's the thing. Like, Dave Montgomery eventually had to make a decision of, well, we're doing it because I really can't sell the product to the fan base. Part of it was I couldn't sell the product to the fan base with Ed Wade in charge again going forward, and they brought Pat Gillick in, and then they end up on a parade float in three years. Could it be the same type of situation for, for Matt Clentak at this point that – how do you sell the organization, not just to your fans, eventually, if you end up having people coming back into the ballpark, but the potential free agents and everything, if you have another another year of a lame duck GM, basically? Yeah, I don't think it matters to free agents. I think only one thing money. Uh, matters. Yeah, money. Money talks. Come on, man. You know that. I know. Um, but I think it does matter with the fan base and public perception and, and, and um, uh, selling tickets and promoting your ball club. I mean, there is an X factor here. We don't know if they're even going to be allowed to sell any tickets next right. year. So, you know, they hope they do, but probably need a vaccine. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, what the public thinks definitely impacts what John Middleton thinks and does. He said that. He said that in the in the uh, press fine. conference after he fired um, uh, Ruben Amaro. Right. Uh, after Ruben Amaro was let go, he, he said it mattered. So, yeah, it still matters. Um, he, he, he didn't get to be the businessman he is by not listening to his customers. So um, I don't know if a change is coming. But like I said, I think if one does come, it's completely justifiable. This has been five years and it's been a failure to deliver on um, expectations and objectives. Clintac's the which, easy. Were, which, which was winning, which was winning. You right. Clintac's the easy target here. I mean, because he's the front guy. How much does Andy McPhail have to bear some of this, too? Well, I think everybody does upstairs. Andy right. McPhail's the pres- president of the organization, and 
he when he was hired, John Middleton's quote was, and I'll never forget it. It was very, I thought it was a really dramatic quote. He said, uh, Andy's being hired as the president of the organization. He oversees the entire organization, but his focus is baseball and his mandate is to win. And he will be given every resource he needs to do that. It was a great quote. Uh, to me, that made it a great job, but they have not won you know, since that quote was uttered and, and he's the leader of the franchise. So yeah, he has to bear some responsibility. He was told, you know, right in that opening press, his focus is baseball and his mandate is to win. It hasn't happened. Jim Salisbury joining us. Jim, we're hopscotching. I know a little bit what JC Realmoto Girardi said on the conference call last night, it's not going to be around probably this weekend, uh, that the hip is still, I think he said he ran at 50% yesterday. If I'm not mistaken, um, I think uh, yeah, it was it was. Uh, but when he said that, it was like one in the morning. I was yeah. bleary eyed. All <laughs> I heard was uh, he's, all I heard was he's not going to be ready for the weekend. And they had been targeting the weekend, and the season is slipping away. So you're not going to have him. You know, if if that is indeed the way it works out, you're not going to have him for three more games. So that means you don't have him for like eight or nine or ten games down the stretch. And he's one of your best players. It's it's not good. And then when you miss that amount of time, you don't just immediately. Bounce back. You know, rejoin the lineup and, and become JT Real Muto again. You might need a day or two to kind of um, feel it through a little bit. And he still might even be 100%. So that's a very difficult blow for the team. And so is Hoskins, who was red hot. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so is Arietta. I know he's had a very mediocre time in Philadelphia, but. But with you the two double headers the, all, coming up, too, you're going to need right, starting pitching. All the starting pitching. You need all the starting pitching you can get. So. It's just a nightly what will go wrong next. From the, I mean, Segura, you know, he's probably not going to play today. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes a 97-mile-an-hour fastball off the elbow. Uh, it's just a nightly what will go wrong next. Um, and it's been um, morbidly interesting, uh, but sad nonetheless. What do you think the, uh, of the job that Girardi's done this year? It's a real tough year to judge anybody with the pandemic. And, I think he's done a fine job. Right. I know people are wearing him out on some of his pitching decisions, but he's got nothing. He left. took out Wheeler the other night. You had two out of three lefties coming up. They had seen him three times. The top of the order had been tough on him. He was at ninety-five pitches. Could you have let him go? Yeah. And if he gave it up, everybody would be yelling out, oh, "Why'd you? Why didn't you take him out?" The top of the order was all over his ass for, for, earlier in the game. It was a great time to get him out. And if you do take him out and the bullpen gives it up, it's why do you take him out? You know, you can't win. The only way you can win is when a player delivers for you, and this bullpen never delivers for him. Yeah, and and he's completely hamstrung by it. And but I think he, I, 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 I think he runs a good ship, and I, I think still the best is yet to come. They got to get him a bullpen, man. And you know, I don't care who, what manager you have, they ain't gonna win when these guys are blowing leads every night. It is, is do you think Girardi has Middleton's ear? That if Girardi sees I, a problem, he could go to Middleton and say, "Hey, we need to get this." Correctly. I have no idea. Okay, sorry about that. It's just one of those no, questions. I, I have I have no idea whether they have coffee together every morning, whether they talk every day. I have no idea. It's a year like no other. I haven't ha- seen Joe Girardi face to face, you know, since other than four hundred feet, right. Since March twelfth in Port Charlotte, you know. How weird! I, mean, I see him on a video. I see him from the press box. Um, I haven't been able to um, take his pulse, right. nor has anybody. So, uh, does he have Middleton's ear? Um, I'm sure Middleton 
is smart enough to listen to his employees, his smart employees, especially guys that he just went out and hired a year ago who have a track record like that. So I think if Joe has something to say, I think John Middleton would surely listen. Uh, he's a pretty good listener. How strange has this year been the cover with everything going on? It's been weird. Um, honestly, it's, 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 it hasn't, you know, I'm not bellyaching. It hasn't been enjoyable. You know, you really, it's, you just, you, it's not really baseball coverage. It's, it's, you know, it's baseball coverage from, you know, uh, 30,000 feet, so to speak, you know? Right. Um, you know, as a reporter, you try to build relationships, um, and, uh, gather insights. And it's just hard to do that over a zoom video call. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to do that watching road games on TV. Um, so yeah, it's been completely different than anything any of us, um, have ever been used to, but you know, that said, it's still baseball. Right. And as I just said, it's morbidly entertaining because you don't know what's going to go wrong next. And and part of the charm of the, (laughs) part of the charm of the game has always been getting to know the people in the game and having the downtime as a baseball reporter to go up to a guy's locker. And you may not talk about anything in particular, you know, but you can talk to him and get to know him and build the trust. And you don't necessarily get that on a zoom call at all. No, you don't get it all. They, you just, uh, face in a box. So, yeah. Um, you know, you can have relationships with guys from previous years and they know who they're talking to on zoom, but, uh, but you know, can, the intimate, the intimacy of the coverage, uh, make a lot of the detail, um, shit. you know, for instance, um, you know, if, if, if Joe Girardi does his pregame, say at three o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, and the lineup doesn't come out till three thirty, uh, and there's an interesting change in the lineup, you really don't have the opportunity to follow up and explain to your readers, here's why the change was made. Mm-hmm. You have to wait till 1030 at night till you can get uh, another video shot at him after the game. So, um, you know, that's all different and, um, it's made it more challenging. Um, but you know, it's still baseball and, uh, it's still, you know, a great game to watch except when it's four hours and 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and, and the bull and the bullpen just does a groundhog day. Um, <laughs> And I know how much fun you have on the beat. I mean, you know, you and I have gone to restaurants and we've gone, you know, we both love our, love our share of barbecue. I think we both know that. Uh, I mean, it, it, that, that to me is like, that's what would make this tough. It's like, it almost feels like you're, you're distant, not just, not just from the people you're covering, but you're also distant from yourself because you're all doing your Zooms in different spots or, you know, you're, you're trying to get your work done so you can get the hell out and you're not on the road, you know? It's yeah. Um, you show up to the ballpark late and you know, you don't go to road games because you're not gaining anything by going to road games. I'm not going to drive to Washington to, you know, talk to a video when I can do it from, um, you know, home, um, but the bad part is you and I don't get to stop for barbecue on the way to Washington or Baltimore. So. That's true. And, and we were a constant barbecue uh, stop, as, as, a, as a, my, my waistline can attest. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this? Uh, some of the stuff that they've put in this year uh, with extra inning games? Uh, I haven't really asked you about it. the The extra um, inning uh, 
the the seven inning double headers and, and you well know, i think yeah the seven inning double headers honestly have not been as jarring to me as maybe some people because you know, I covered minor league minor baseball leagues. for a long time, and every time there's a rain out, you know, they make it up in a seven-inning du- doubleheader. That's what they do in college, a lot of doubleheaders in college. So, um, you know, I, I kind of – I like the little change in, in that it adds a little bit of urgency to the ball game. Uh, and, you know, I like the extra innings um, runner on second because it also – it's adds some level of excitement, but I hope they're just here for one year. I really hope they're not going to – trim you know take the easy way out and trim the game back to seven innings because um players take too long in the batter's box and they have to listen to their walk-up music and umpires don't call the high strikes i think there's ways to make the game great again just by enforcing the the rules that are that are there uh, that were there i just think there's so many other things going on that sometimes we lose focus uh, of the game and that that speeds up the game and if you really want to speed it up eliminate two teams and get rid of uh you know, 22, 24 pitchers, and, and, and you'll have better pitchers that can throw more strikes, and that'll speed up the game. But, you know, that's not going to happen because it's about the almighty dollar. So there are ways to fix the game right within the game. I just hope they don't take the easy way out and say, oh, we're just going to cut it back to all games back to seven innings. That I, I wouldn't like that. I still like the I like the nine-inning game um, uh, because it's a microcosm of the season. You know, the season's a 162-game test of endurance and skill and health and depth and a nine in the game in some ways should, should be the same thing. So I like that. And I think the runner on second though, it's added a level of excitement this year and it, it's gimmicky uh, and it's, it's not a true test of, of what baseball is. Um, you know, one of the reasons they're doing it is so they can get guys out of the ballpark quicker. So you're not hanging around in the pandemic. And one of the reasons they would consider it long-term is because, you know, you play a 15-inning game, it can wipe out a pitching staff. Um, well, too bad. Now it's up to the general manager to get up at 6 in the morning and figure out a way to, to uh, you know, restock that pitching staff for his manager that given night, right? right. Um, if, if if you've blown out your pitching set, played a 15-inning game on, on night one of a series, and you've blown through eight pitchers, but the other manager only, you know, managed to do it with, with five pitchers, um, then he's in better shape for the next two series. Everything's a continuum. Every game spills into the next one. So, and that's one of the things I like about baseball. You know, that's one of the things I like about even first game of the series, trying to get in somebody's bullpen and beat the heck out of their bullpen because it comes back to bite him in game three. Everything spills into each other. Everything rolls over into each other. So, um, uh, that's why, you know, I, I wouldn't take the easy way out and say, oh, okay, you know, we're all going to go home after 11 innings or we're all going to put a runner on second until we solve this thing. Um, the only good thing about, you know, it, it has added a little bit of entertainment this year right? and it's brought some, you know, runner on second. Okay. Now we're going to move this runner and get a little in. strategy. That, yeah. That's a good thing too, because I remember that, that, that game between the Red Sox and Dodgers in the world series in 2018, that went like 18 innings, you know, how about get them on, get them over and get them in. No, everybody's swinging from their heels, home run derby to try to win the game. And it took forever. So uh, I like the little bit of strategy it's added, but that said, I hope they don't make it a permanent change. Well, and I, I think especially if the, you're going to have a universal DH coming, yeah, well, you need that. Coming. I mean, the union, the union wants that. Yeah, I think the owners want that now too because though it'll cost them a few more bucks, they'll make more money on the um, entertainment value, the pickup and offense. Uh, the Phillies need it because they got a team loaded with DHs, DHs. Uh, both current and future. So. 
I I think it'll come maybe even next year, but I think it'll be in the new CBA. I think it's been been a long time coming. I mean, we talked about this when they signed Bryce Harper, right? Uh, that DH was coming, so that that's not a surprise. Do you uh, do you like? I mean, Rob Manfred floated the idea of expanding the playoffs again. This no, week. I don't. It's cheap. You know, one of the things about the baseball players is hard to get into, right? Know? Um, so now we're going to have 500 teams in there, maybe sub 500 teams. No, I don't like it. It's not a participation trophy sport. You know, you're supposed to earn your way in. So no, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I understand. I understand it this year. And again, it's about dollars. You know, they lost a lot of revenues without fans in the season. It's still a business and revenues are, are, are the lifeblood of it all. Um, so that, you know, postseasons are lucrative. Um, and you add more teams this year and, and that helps you recoup a lot of these lost revenues. And down the road, if you add more teams, everybody's going to make more money. I still don't like it uh, because it's supposed to be hard to get into. It, it, it takes some of the importance off the um, off putting the pedal to the metal the entire uh, regular season. So, no, I, I don't like it. I, I, I like it the way it was with five in each league. I think that second wild card added enough right. intrigue for the – well, you cheapen your division winners. You totally cheapen yeah. your division winners. Yeah, I like it the way it was. I don't yeah. don't cheapen the season, right? Right. Um, but they might do that because it makes money. It does, and I think that's where they go. It, the default position is to make as much money as possible. I think with this commissioner. Final. That's one thing. The um, that's one thing. The owners and players seem to always have been able to agree on um, making, making as much money make, as possible. <laughs> that is true. I wish. I wish. I wish the media business was like that sometimes. Um, when uh, final questions for you, uh, and this is looking into a, a little bit of a crystal ball. Uh, two biggest issues. One, well, we talked about the GM and everything. One, will they make the playoffs? You think at this point? They're a game under. They're a half game ahead of St. Louis. They're moving in the wrong direction. I don't know. St. Louis has a lot of St. Louis has a lot of Kansas City and Pittsburgh next week too. So. Yeah, and St. Louis is, you know, they've shown a lot of fight coming back from a shutdown, just like the Marlins have. What a bunch of, I mean, the character the Marlins have shown is just incredible with all yeah. that bunch of rookies. They have 18 guys making their debut, and they just wear the Phillies out. Look, the Phillies have been, the, the one thing that defines the season is inconsistency and, and a horrible bullpen. Um, but focusing on the inconsistencies, you know, they've had these, High points where they won, what, 10 out of 11? Yeah. And they've had these low points where they just can't do anything right. If they can, there's only 11 games left. If they can put together one of those high points where everything goes well for about six days, they'll get in. Yeah. And if, if they don't, uh, if everything plummets for about six days, they won't. But, you know, it's just hard to believe that they are on this tightrope here with 11 days to go with this payroll, with this lineup, with yeah. this level of talent. Obviously, there's been variables. Injuries have hit them hard. Uh, but you know, when you, the long and short of it is, this team has taken itself down because it's impossible to outrun a bad bullpen. It is, and you know, obviously, in a week we'll know the answers about where they're going, and then that leads to the offseason of questions about Real Muto and and whatever changes may be coming. So a lot of that could be answered this yeah, week. Real Muto, as well. Real, Real is your big focus of your offseason, but um, you know. Talk about consistency. Every year, this team needs pitching in the winter. I got, you know, I'm curious to see how they're gonna. They got to bring in some 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 rotation help. Uh, that's a must. We've seen yeah. this lack of this scuffling for starting pitchers every night. I mean, I know you got an 11 or 12 man bullpen, so that you know stretches you thin out there and exposes your depth. But you know, it's still only a five man pitching staff, and you know, t- 
two months into a season, which is like what we are, a little more than two months, just scuffling for a starting pitcher every night because they've had two breakdowns. Um, they need some starting pitching depth. Real Mudo need to bring him back. That's a, that's a big one. You got Gregorius. They could use Gregorius back. They too. need a closer. They need right. a closer. They need a closer. They need someone who, when they walk in that game, everybody doesn't go, "Oh crap!" They need a closer. They they need to do something there too. So a lot of holes, man. A lot of holes. Uh, Jim Salisbury from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Listen to him and Corey Simon, by the way, on their Phillies Talk podcast on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Yeah, and you got to get on that. You got to listen to that. It, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is good stuff. Uh, and plus the Ricky Bow rants, I'm sure that come on every so often as well. So Ricky, Ricky's emotional. Uh, uh, he is, it, you know, watching him and Barkan go go at it every night. You know, Mike, Mike doesn't have the camera to yell at Eagles players now, but he has he has the camera. He just stares at it, and says that the bullpen sucks every night. It's pretty awesome, you know. I love it when I love it when the team loses six in a row and Michael yells at me. <laughs> like, 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 like you're grounded, in charge. <laughs> like I grounded into a four six three double play with the game on the line. Like I served up a double in the gap in a tie game in the ninth. Bark, yeah, Bark can't barks at you like it's your problem. It's like, you know, I'm you're sorry, just... Michael. I'll try to be better tonight. <laughs> Jimmy, I appreciate you doing this, man. Be well and uh, best of the family. And uh, hopefully we'll see you for some barbecue soon. Okay, Kev. Thanks much. Bye. Thanks. See you. Jim Salisbury joining us, and we'll be back on Working the Beat right after this. And joining us here are thanks, first of all, to Jim Salisbury for joining us. And uh, joining us here on the program is Mr. Kern. Mike, how are you? Hey, you know, there's some people in our business, Kevin, and we're lucky enough to know a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And you obviously covered the Phillies. You got to know guys. That, like, But there's just some guys that just really know what they're talking about. But don't throw it in your face that they know what you're talking about. And I'll listen to, to what you guys had to say later. But he's one of those guys. Like, Hagen's like that. Yeah. You know, Didinger's like that. Mm-hmm. Um. They're, they're the most knowledgeable people around. And Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's covered the Phillies probably as long as anybody or most people in this town. But he doesn't throw it in your face like, hey, I'm, you know, no, I'm Jim and, Salisbury and I know, you know, and, and you don't. And, and it was fascinating because you were you were out when we recorded it. Um, but it was fascinating to, to have him talk about what the problems were th- with the organization and, and the bullpen and everything. And there's still that idea that they can make the playoffs, but as Jimmy said, and I wrote on Philly Voice, so I might as well get the cheap plug in. Even if you make the playoffs at 500 in an expanded year, I don't know how much of a room it is to celebrate at this point. No, it's not a celebrate, Kevin, but I think what it is is it was almost like the Flyers a little bit this year. Flyers are a little different because they actually played well. I can't knock that. But if you look at the Phillies and they make the playoffs, and look, we don't know what would happen if they made the playoffs, but we're assuming they would probably lose that first Especially series. if they get the Dodgers, yeah. Yeah, especially if I – but, you know, okay. Um, but they haven't been in the playoffs in 11 years yeah. or nine years. So it is something mm-hmm. that you sit there and go, and they have had a lot of injuries. I mean, in all fairness, and I'm not, I, I know other teams have had injuries too, but, you know, they, you lose your catcher, you lose your first baseman, and they were your – the first baseman was one of your better hitters lately. Then you lose Segura, who's been who's been really hot. Uh, the pitcher's going down. I mean, so they have had to deal with that. But, yes, the bullpen jumps out at you as a problem. 
The lack oh. of depth they have, Mike, too. Beyond oh. the, on the regular roster, the lack of depth they have is a major, a, major. Problem. I don't know Mickey Moniak from a hole in the wall, but I saw, I watched last night. If he's a number one draft pick, and 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 he, I mean, he just doesn't look ready. Well, and, no, he and he shouldn't be here at this point. Right. Because, but their roster is so depleted with the I injuries. Know, I know, and it's. It, it, but you ain't going to fix that. You can't. Go, you don't get. You know, it's like the same. No, problem you can fix it. You can fix it with the ultimate answer, which is you well, get new people and to choose those players. Yeah, but that doesn't fix it. That oh. just that just gets rid of that, and then you got to assume that the next people that come in are going to do a better job. Um, but it's like the Eagles. It's like the Howie Roseman question. You know, the guy's wearing a ring mm-hmm. in 2017. Everything he did went right, or most of what he did went right. Um. And now you look at the 217 drafting. Oh, my God. We're still trying to make up for, like, three bad wide receiver picks, an offensive lineman pick, a Derrick Barnett maybe bad pick. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to overcome those things. And at least the Flyers, I'll give them credit, they stunk for a long time. But they seem like they made the most of at least some of those picks, which I think was Hextall's thing all along. It was just taking too long, I guess. You know, at some point it was like, okay, whether he should have been let go or not, I don't know. Yeah, and and that may have also been a people like a people. Uh, yeah, right. But if you're going to be bad for three or four, like the Braves, you know, the Braves had that run where they were great for like 15 years, whatever it was, and they only won one World Series. But they were, you know, and then they were bad for a few years when the Phillies were good, and they they got you know you look at their team now, there's some homegrown talent on that team mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Um, the Phillies don't have that. I mean, Hoskins. Maybe can be a player. You know, maybe he can be that guy. You got Noah, obviously. Right. Um, who else am I missing? Am I missing somebody? Who's homegrown? No, I mean, they traded Alfaro, right? And they traded uh, Sixto. Um, well, Kingery, you, you got Kingery. Who we don't know. No. We don't know. You know, because of the COVID, you don't but know. But, like, you also you have Hazley. I mean. Uh, yeah, but if that's the best you're doing out of this. Yeah, that's not good enough. Did you see the play he made in center field last night on the on the triple? Yeah, Were where he watching? ran right up against the wall. Yeah. Well, the, the announcer on TV. And I, I apologize it was Tommy. For not, it was Tommy. Who was it? it was Tommy. McCarthy. No, no, but who was the analyst? Uh, it was Crocker. Okay. No. Okay. It was Crock last night? And they, and they just said you can't do that. No. Like he ran all the way back. Well, to Tom the wall. said in his play by play, Tom was like, "Oh, you can't do that, and it's going to bounce against." So, yeah, like why that. is he doing that then? And that ball. It wasn't like he almost had a chance to catch that ball. That ball almost went out. That hit off. The that hit off the top of the, the top of the wall. Yeah. And look, I'm I'm not telling you that, my, that my, I know they're, how they're to play just, center field. They're just. I said this, and, and it's a quote from uh, uh, you know I'm not going to mention which sports writer it is, but there was a quote that he always used to tell me in the press box, and the quote was: "Some teams just have the loser gene. This team just has the loser gene." Yeah, but it didn't for five for like that five year. No, period. no, I'm saying right now yeah, this yeah, group yeah. has the but loser you, gene. Don't you think that getting Girardi and getting Bryce Harper? Oh, it could and change. The catcher was was trying to but, get away from that loser mentality. But right? with this group, as far as being the management in charge of picking the personnel, okay, it's not okay. changing. And and this is me now. Maybe I'm taking a leap. I'm not trying to like dent to. But it extends to the owner too, and and look, the, owner the owner's got to pick his baseball guy and step the hell back. 
Right. And he spent $200 million, so uh-huh. I'm not going to knock him for spending $200 million. Yeah, and million. by the way, can, can, now you're going to get me going on one thing. That's all right. That's okay. what we're here for. All right. I don't want to hear people say John Middleton is cheap because he didn't go over the luxury tax. If you can't no. feel the roster at 200 plus million right. that can contend for one of eight playoff spots in the National League. Right. You're right. That's he, on the, problem, the management. It's like, it's like a long time ago when Jeff Lurie came up with that gold standard statement. Oh, it okay? killed him. The stupid it money killed statement c- kills him. stupid money. When you make the stupid money statement, well, who then, you, then you've said, I'm willing to spend stupid. And what people but, infer that to be is whatever it takes. Mike, who were they bidding against for Andrew McCutcheon? I, I, I'm with At you. Three years, 50 million. Who, like, why I'm did they get you. Carlos Santana? And that, that forces the Segura trade. And, and, and you give up yeah. on Crawford. And, and there's. Ugh. Hey, who were the Sixers bidding against for Al Horford? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, what I'm saying is, but if John and I'm not blaming John, and they could go this weekend and go sweep the Blue Jays, sure, because the Blue could. Jays just got bombed up in New York. Yeah, okay, uh, but it doesn't. It the worst thing that doesn't could happen, matter. The worst Devin, thing is that you fooled that yourself happen, into thinking that you're a real contender. The worst thing that could happen is for them to win that first round play. Now they they can't finish eighth, but let's say they were seventh or sixth or something like that, mm-hmm. and they played a team that maybe they could beat. You know, Noah goes in and throws a good game. Yeah. Uh, Zach throws a good game. And somehow you pull an upset. That's the worst thing that could happen. Because then, Clintac's coming back. Yeah. I'm just te- well, yeah. I'm just telling you. You know how that works. They'll say, hey. And, 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 and Mike, I relate this on the Philly Voice story I did today. We, I was in Washington on that last day of the season in two, 2005 when they won 88 games. It was Charlie's first year. They they missed the playoffs back when it was only four teams that made the playoffs. Missed the playoffs because the Astros beat the Cubs that day. I forgot they won eighty eight games that year. Kevin. Yeah, they, I looked it up actually too. I re, and wow, it, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of games. And Ed Wade got fired. Ed Wade got fired after that. And the reason that they got that Ed Wade got fired was David Montgomery. There was the the the, the tale has always been that there somebody dropped the stack of. of season ticket holder letters on the desk saying, right. If Wade's back, I'm gone. Okay. I think, you know, you don't know, obviously with COVID, what the situation is going to be with season tickets, sure. but we've reached that point with Clintac and McPhail that yeah, literally, you, might, yeah. you, you cannot see, think, sell this product. Let me ask you going question. forward. And I got something else I want to bring up, but let me ask you this question. Cause you were there with it. Do you think Ed Wade was better than Clintac? Yeah. Okay. Ed Wade, you know, Ed Wade, you got Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins. And didn't he have his hands and Ryan Howard times when he wanted to make some moves and they couldn't make them? Well, they were also in a different salary structure. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, Um, he had to go for the Midland reliever as opposed to. Right. Well, one year they were going to make that big trade where Utley was allegedly involved for the, the, the reliever, I think, from Detroit, who then got in trouble. Because he hacked somebody to death in Urbina. Well, no, that, they traded Urbina, or they got um, they got Pol- or it was Urbina for Polanco. Actually, was the trade okay? But I remember that there was a trade rumor out, and Utley was involved in it. And me and Jack were on the radio at the time because I was doing a lot. And I said to I said to him, Jack, if they're not going to bring Utley up, 
Like, make the trade. Well, some trade. And then, obviously, Utley becomes who Utley becomes. And, well, they, yeah, but they, they, they wait. They waited on him and Howard, right? They waited. Well, like, yeah, well, and there was a trade with the, the Pirates, and I think it was maybe for Chris Benson. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I can't. That, I just that know they tr- that the, the, wor- the word was that the Pirates wanted Howard for Chris Benson. And, oh, and okay. Ed Wade looked at him like, are you crazy? Yeah. You know, at a year yeah. that they really kind of, they were making a push and all that. And Right. But ha- let me throw this at you. I'm going to throw three names at you and tell me what's wrong with this. Mm-hmm. Hazley, Mickey Moniak, Roman Quinn. They're three number one picks. Am I correct? Well, Roman Quinn wasn't. Okay, I'm sorry then. I apologize. How, what, what Hazley, Moniak, and, uh, well, Bohm was a number one pick. Well, but Bohm's, okay, but what I'm just saying is Roman Quinn at one point was projected, I think, to be a player. He was projected you know, to be a, a starter. Right, a starter. But a starter's okay. I'm okay with. He, here's the here's the problem with both Hazley and. But they're all three outfielders. Right, they're three outfielders. Here's the problem with Hazley and Moniak. They were drafted probably too high for their talent. Yeah. Uh, Moniak was. They wanted to try to get Kevin Gowdy, a pitcher, in the second round. They wanted to free up some some pool money, so that's why Hazley was an immediate. We need somebody who played college baseball, and they, okay. they rushed it a little bit. Okay. I mean, that's not a fault of them. I think people mistake that as a fault of the player. It's the no, fault no, of the no. Or- I'm not the, blaming no, no, the player, no. no. But I'm saying I'm that's the, the that's a fault of the organization. I mean, it's almost like the Eagles when they took the chance on Sidney Jones. Now, uh-huh. I understand what the thinking was because they did the same thing with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson fell into the second round because there were they, allegedly there were issues. Okay, okay, fine. The Eagles get him, and Jackson was fine for for his first stint with the Eagles. He, you know. He turned into a really good player. Mm-hmm. But they took Sidney Jones because, well, this guy would have been the ninth pick in the draft. We're getting him at 40 or wherever they got him. Okay. Turns out the guy couldn't play. play. Now, maybe no. the Achilles injury was the reason he couldn't play, that he injured himself on the pro day. I don't know this. Dillard. You know, they did they move up to take Dillard? And, and then I White think they side. moved up one or two. Okay. But still, they thought enough of him. They didn't move up this year a couple spots to take D.D., Okay, and I'm not saying that Rager won't turn out to be better than DD. Maybe he will. Um, but the Whiteside pick—I mean, really? No. And maybe Whiteside will turn out to be okay. I don't know this, but why does Seattle draft a guy last year who looks like he's an All-Pro? Who is the year? guy that the Eagles should have drafted? The DK Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the mistakes that haunt you for years. Yep. Because you're constantly trying to make up. They've been trying to get a wide receiver for like. It seems like for six or seven drafts. Um, I don't know. All right, so that's the Phillies portion of our broadcast. It is a football Friday. Yeah, and, how about that? And how about that? And, um, and this, t- this town doesn't think the birdies can win. No. We'll talk Eagles-Rams after, of course, we give our picks, uh, which, Mike, I think you have to uh, gather them, correct? No, I'm a, I think off the top of my head I'm okay. If you, okay. You put, them right. up, you put the lines up in front of you. Okay, and, and I, I got them on my phone. So. Okay, I will tell you right, All right now. Hold on, let me let me do the intro. Ready? Okay. Just point me where you wanna go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to a party if they're betting in the back. I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her. Well, last week with the pro-heavy schedule, mainly because college football 
is too wacky to figure out. I went for college. Two. College football stinks, and I, I'm so sad. It's nobody's fault. <laughs> nobody's fault. But it's just it's my favorite time of year. And this week, like in, in a regular year, uh, I think Florida would be playing ten. Yeah, there's always a couple of good early season matchups. Right. Um, maybe Michigan. Would there be is a good Notre one. Game. There is a good one this week. What the 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 Louisville game? Louisville Miami game is pretty good. It's, and yeah, and I was going to throw that out at you. I'm not in love, but I I I'm leaning towards the Louisville side. Um, You're leaning towards Louisville. I'm sorry. Giving are they getting two and a half or giving two and giving a half? two and a half? I'm leaning towards Louisville at home, although home doesn't mean anything now. So maybe that's stupid. I don't know. But I, I'm not. I'm not the colleges. I got to try to figure out the colleges before I really. I'm going to take Louisville. I, I think Miami's not good. I, I'm, I'm still. They're 17 in the country. Then. Well, they got the quarterback from Houston who was pretty good last year, who transferred and is playing, and he's pretty good. Right. And I don't, you know, like I said, what does home field mean? I, I don't know. Inter- I have the fo- foggiest idea. All right. Interesting other college game that I'm, interest- that I'm interested in. Uh, Appalachian State's going on the road to Marshall. And they're a four and a half point favorite. That is a, by the way, a CBS game. Name me a one player on either team. You can't. Uh, no, but I'm going to go with the program. That's and, fine. And Appalachian yeah, State I, as a program. I got no problem with that. The, the other game I was looking at, but again, I don't know nearly enough about anything. Is NC State's giving one to Wake Forest at home? Again, home, whatever home means. Right. Um, I know Wake played. I, I think Clemson just didn't care last week. They got up. They, and I respect the Wake Forest coach as much as anybody in college football. Mm-hmm. Love Dave Clawson. But I just got I, I can only believe, I guess NC State's not that good either. Or I thought NC be, State was supposed to be decent. I don't know. But shouldn't they be favored? I, 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 that's what I'm asking. I, so I, I would just throw that, that out there. Maybe there's a reason. Like maybe NC State's quarterback elected not to play this year or something. I, I have no idea. But I know Wake is not supposed to be good this year. I, so who knows? Well, next week the ACC. My comes. Saturdays are ruined. I'm just telling you. My Saturdays until it gets to like the end of well, so, this month or early next well, month. Well, next or, next week would be the return of the AC, uh, the SEC. Correct. I guess, but I mean, you know, is Alabama playing Georgia? You know. Other than that, I mean, I don't really, you know, uh, I'm, care I'm, too much. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, best game next week is Auburn-Kentucky. That's a good game? Both top 25. Okay, but I see, I don't think right now, because none of the Big Ten schools are, are not, you know, you, you got to figure there's probably five or six teams in the top 25 that wouldn't be there if the Big Ten was playing yet. Florida State, Miami next week. Texas, Boy, Texas big, Tech. Florida State. Is that game at Miami? Yep. Boy, I couldn't play Florida State with a stick. <laughs> that's a no, seven. I'm serious. I, I mean, know. That's a seven thirty uh, ABC game. By the way. Hey, how'd you like my line last night? I can't remember what it was in reference to. It was like going from secretary. To, oh yeah. So Joe Girardi, the, the secretary at the mystery. Mariano, right? Yeah. He's got Mariano in the bullpen. You know. Just look, and, and they always had good relievers to get to Mariano. Yeah. Um, and now he's, it's like going from secretary to, to Mr. Ed. Ed. Yep. All right. To the league where they play for pay. Okay. I will start out. Go ahead. 
I'm taking. The, I would take the Eagles. Wow. Um, I don't have a good reason. One of the reasons is a lot of people in Philadelphia think they're going to lose because they love misery. They, you know, <laughs> they're already seeing their season disintegrate. And I understand if you go to 0-2, um, uh, you know, your, your chances of making the playoffs go down dramatically, although there is an extra team. Eagles the now Rams, the favorite by one. They're favored by one? Yeah, now that is okay. flipped. Cause, okay, because people, people are trying to middle that game, I think, is because if you – but that's okay. You can try to do that. The Rams have a really good record, which I found hard to believe, but they've won like five or six in a row when they're playing in the 1 o'clock game on the East Coast. Wow. Don't ask There's me how or why. I heard that today. May, may, I'm hoping it's true. But I just think the Eagles... <laughs> why not? I, just throw I, it out there. Go ahead. No, but I mean... No, why? If somebody said it, I'm guessing... It I know. Per- I'm kidding. Um, The Eagles get sand. I just think they've taken so much criticism this week. It's one of those Dougies starting to get, you know, all... At his press conferences, like, don't question me. I'm Dougie. Um, there's no rhyme or reason here. I think it's going to be a close game. But I just think the Eagles are going to figure out a way to win the game. I don't think Donald's going to kill them as much as some people think they are. Oh, they might. You know, Lane Johnson could go out in the first quarter. Sure. Uh, and then the left tackle could go out in the second quarter, and they could get thumped. Um, but I just kind of think it's going to be one of those – 23-20 kind of games. I think the Eagles are going to somehow give people a reason not to be jumping off bridges on Sunday night. All right, I'm going to go I'm going to go out west to start. Hmm. I like the Arizona Cardinals lay the six and a half against the Washington football team. Uh Washington benefited last week from a ton of mistakes by Carson Wentz by questionable play calling from Doug Peterson. So why do I think that the Cardinals are different? I think the Cardinals are really good, actually. You know, Kyler Murray has a ton of weapons. Cliff Kingsbury's offense looks way, way better than it was last year. More coherent. I'll, t- I'll lay the six and a half. T- give me the Cardinals. Well, I would play that side of the game because, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't see how you can play Washington. Plus, I, plus that's the other thing. Is Washington going to go cover two weeks in a row? No. Uh, probably not. Um, but I was actually looking at a teaser where you love your put teasers. the Cardinals in it. Uh-huh. Put the Cardinals in it. Uh, I would play Tampa. So you would tease Tampa down to where they just have to win against Carolina because I do not believe Tampa's losing two in a row, especially to Carolina at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Carolina played pretty good last week. Um, but I just can't believe the Bucks are going to go 0-2. And, and the third team I was I was trying to think who the third team was. It was two teams I was looking at. One was Dallas. Because I don't think Dallas – I don't think much of the Falcons – Dallas is minus four. Yeah, so, so you, get them at, you get them at plus five, actually, mm-hmm. which means even if the Falcons pulled off a win. But there was one other game I was looking at where the team was favored by, like, I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm losing touch. Um, but anyway, I would play some kind of teaser. The Bucks, the Cardinals, and you pick a third team. My third team probably would be Dallas. So you're doing a three-team teaser. Three-team, you move at nine points. And I'm staying away. There was some, another stat I heard today, Kevin. Is okay. The road, the home underdogs in the NFL are getting five and a half or, or more and I don't know what, how far this goes back to. Like, I guess it goes back to last year. I don't know. Covers like 85% of the games. Okay. Home dogs 
of five, and, and so I was looking at like some of the teams were like Buffalo Dolphins, like for instance. But they're a home dog. Getting, you know, so I'm trying to stay away from that stuff. All right. Um, and think about this. One, and I don't know if you're going to play this game, but either Minneapolis, your Minnesota or the Colts, one of them is going to start 0-2. Yeah, I'm not playing that game. Um, okay, I'm not either. I'm going to go. I know one game you're going to take, and when you take it, I'll tell you. I got yeah, now, now it's it. Now, yeah. I'm going to take the Seahawks, lay the three and a half That's against the, game. The, the Patriots. That's the game. <laughs> I just. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I would take that also. Like, I get that it's not normal Seattle with the 12s and, and, and everything. It's not normal. It's not normal New it's England. It's not normal New England. <laughs> no. And. Well, what is the line on that game? Three and a half? Three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, that was one of my games that I that I had, but I figured I'd let you take it first. I mean, I, I just no, I, there's no way that the Seahawks are going to lose that game. None, no. none, you were right. none, no, the Seahawks none. Are good, and and I respect the hell out of Bill Belichick. I really do, because if anybody can do stuff, plus remember the Patriots struggle in September. That's the other part of this historically. Well, look who they played last week. They played Miami, and they. They played and, and okay, not great. The quarterback ran 15 times. He's not, and I know Seattle's defense ain't what, you know, maybe what we remember. <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's going to put probably somewhere in the 20s on the board. I don't think New England is going to score more than 14 or 17. I really don't. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to beat Seattle without throwing the football more, and I'm just not sure how capable they are of doing it. I mean, I, I don't know. It, 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 I, I don't line, get that line. I don't. The only thing I'll say is that line looks suspiciously low, and I don't know why. Uh, that line should be five and a half or so, right? Wouldn't you yeah. agree? Okay. Uh, remember how I said last week we'll be taking against the uh, Jaguars a lot? Right. Um, I'm going to go there on this one, too. Now, I will tell you one thing. Tennessee favored by seven and a half. Right. I will take over. I put baseball music on. Okay. Tennessee seven and a half over Jacksonville. That's my third I just want to pick. call one thing up real quick because Vegas Vic, for whatever it's worth, one of his best bets this week, or his not one of his, his best bet, right. was a goofy game, and it might have been that game. And while we're talking, I'm going to try to look it up at my uh, phone. But it was a weird game. Hold on a second. And I saw it and I'm like, wait a minute. While you're doing while you're doing that, I'm gonna pick one I'm more. There. All right, well, you I got you wanna know you wanna know what the union's doing? No, nah, that's okay. Okay, hold on. Uh I, I got one more game. Go ahead, go for it. <clears throat> I'm gonna take Dallas. I'll lay the four against the Falcons. Um Yeah, well that's why I threw him in my teaser. Yeah, right? I, I <sighs> I didn't think Dallas looked that bad last week against the Rams. Um, Mike McCarthy, if you take the field goal, that game goes overtime. I, right. They they know. I think both them and the Eagles. The one thing that works in the Eagles' benefit too, they know if you go zero and two in this division, as bad as as with their upcoming schedules, it will be very difficult to recover. What if they both go 0-2, though? 
Congrats, you know? congratulations Someone's to the Washington the football. Congratulations to the Washington football team. Well, no, I mean, look, last two years this division has stunk. Stunk. We just don't want to admit it, but it stunk, which is why one of the reasons why the Eagles made the playoffs because the division stunk, and maybe it's just going to stink again. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't think the Eagles were much. I thought they were both like nine or ten win teams, so I thought it was kind of like. What it's been the last couple years, um, I think yeah, Dallas. Cowboys should not I think lose that game. They should not lose that game at home. And no, yes, they will actually have fans in the stands, about twenty thousand. Oh, so. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, I can't seem to call this up. I, my, my it's real slow with um, for some reason. But I, I thought that the Jaguars might have been his his best bet. Maybe not. Maybe not. There, there was a team that he took. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not going two and zero. And no, 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 but they're getting, no, it wasn't, it was, it was like one of those cover deals where he just thought, there, I thought there was a team I'm trying to find. I, I, I'm, I apologize for this because. And, and I'll take one more here. Go ahead. I'll take the Raiders. I'll take the six at home as they open on Monday night, uh, their new stadium in uh, Las Vegas. The Saints going yeah. out there. No Michael Thomas, it, it right. appears. I thought right. New Orleans was average looking last week. I didn't think they really. I thought that was more about what Tampa did wrong than what New Orleans did right. Uh, and look, these these first couple weeks are going to be difficult, but I'm going to take the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders are a bad team. Now, his best bet was is the I believe the Buffaloes. The Buffaloes. Yeah, hold on. I'm, I'm trying. For, when, when, for, it, uh, I that's can a, try that's a pretty good bet. Actually, uh, I, I like I like the Bills this week. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, but his reasoning, I'm trying to see what the re- Yeah, it's his best bet is the Bills. I actually think the Bills are the best team in that division. Well, there, the only- there's a lot there's a lot of there's all your a lot of hyperventilation about the Patriots last week. Calm down. Why? They beat look, they Cam Newton ran 15 times. Look, I respect the hell out of Bill Belichick. They might win 10 games this year. And I give Belichick credit that he tailored the offense. Him and Josh McDaniel tailored the offense to fit Newton's set. No, uh, he did exactly, set. He what, did exactly what you're supposed to do. But first of all, if, if if Cam gets hurt, which could be a possibility because he's done that before, um, I'm just saying, he, he they're, they're, if Buffalo don't win the division, something's wrong. That's all I'm going to say because they, and he knows that uh-huh. the Buffalo coach ain't stupid. Um, by the way, kind of a lackluster slate of games this week. I'm not. It's a lackluster league. It's exhibitions. It still, still is exhibition, exhibition except season. you're talking division games. <laughs> and, and you're going to, I mean, this is what it's going to be probably for a lot of the year. I don't expect. Oh, I, I think at some point. It, better. I think at some point it'll get better. I do. It'll get better, but I don't think it's going to be. No. It's, because you're constantly playing catch up. That being said, I thought the game last night was entertaining as hell. Entertaining is fine. I'm not. I'm not. Saying it can't be, but you, it's still, you're playing without a train. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be, um, it is what it is. Yeah. I, there's no other way to put it. And you accept it for what it is. And, you know, you, you root for your teams to win. And that's about all you can do. But trying to get a handle on it, at least it's for gonna the be first tough. month, it's going to be real tough. Um, but hey, that's what. You got to try to do so. Yeah. So that's my picks. You have any more? No, nah, I think that was about 
you know, I, like I said, the Seattle one jumped out at me, and sometimes that's a bad sign when it jumps out at me. Um, I just thought it should have been more. Uh, and I, I think the Eagles, like I said, I just think they're going to find a way to win. And maybe that's just me because when, when a lot of people don't think they – it's like the other way. When everybody – like last week, everybody thought they were going to win. Hey, you know, and, and me and you sat here and we said, hey, you know – I wouldn't call for an outright upset because it's Washington. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, they played them tough last year twice. Um, and then it's 17 nothing, And I'm thinking, like, okay, I was wrong. You know, they're going to roll this team. Um, I just think that sometimes when Doug's back's against the wall, they come out with an – like, if they don't come out with an effort this week for the full 60, something's wrong with this team. Well, especially you're going to have Sanders back. You're going to have... Uh, yeah, but we don't know how, you know, Hammy, Sanders has a hammy. Yeah, you don't know what that hammy's going to be like. Johnson's coming back earlier than he should, probably because of the situation. Graham is going to be back. Yeah, I mean, you hope those guys last, and you hope that Donald doesn't play the whole game in the Eagles' backfield. Yeah. But, yeah, and you hope I, more, I, more look, than anything. And I heard Mikey Miss say that he likes the Eagles this week because, again, he thinks the urgency has to be there and you're going to have yeah, these guys I, back. I just I don't trust them. But they got to come up with a different game plan. It mm-hmm. can't be what – and remember last year and the last year and a half to two years, really, we've complained that the 15 scripted plays weren't any good. Right. Remember how bad they were in the first quarters last year? Yeah. Now, so last week they come they out great, and then the script it just. I I just think they got to have some rollouts. They got they got to be able to run the ball a little better. Hopefully, um, they just got to come up with some three step drops. I got it. Um, you know, and and whether they do that or not, I, you know, we'll see on Sunday. I guess. I you know, I got to admit, Peterson snapping the way he did on Bo, Bo Wolf of the Athletic for. And don't take this the wrong way, Bo. I mean, it's an absolute softball question he was fed. An absolute softball. You know, do defenses try to take advantage of a inexperienced offensive line by blitzing? I think that's a legitimate question. It's a softball. It's not probing. It's not too probing of to be rude. And yet, Doug freaks out on it. I don't get what that's about, Doug's except maybe the head coach is starting to feel a little heat. No, I think one of the reasons, A, is it wasn't Lesser McLean. Okay? If, I, I don't think he would have done it with those guys. And it was Doug once again saying, I know more than you, which he does. Like, see, I think Doug, to a certain degree, has earned that. He does have a ring on his finger. Um, yeah, He doesn't earn the right to be rude. But no, but what I'm saying, Kevin, and I heard the whole thing. I, I don't. I think what Doug was trying to say, and eventually got to it, was it wasn't the whole line's fault. Now, is is he saying that? I think part of that is to protect himself. He's the guy that has these guys. They've been telling you for a year and a half that Matt Pryor can play. He can't play. No. Okay. So if you're going to say that the line isn't all that, you're kind of taking a hit yourself. Um, you know, and he he's. Doug's always going to protect his guys. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus for the most part. Um, although he's thrown the quarterback a little bit, yeah, which is fine. I got no problem with that. Um, but you it's not Bruce Arians' level, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, and then look, you know what? The whole Bruce Arians thing that's been blown so way out of proportion. He, for all I know, he might have went up to to Tom Brady in the locker room. And say, hey, Tom, I'm going to call you out a little bit to show the rest of these guys 
I can call you out. You're not above, whatever. Who knows why? I don't care. But in Doug's case, you got to show me this. If they come out and the whole game or most of the game, they're doing the seven-step drop back again, Mm -hmm. then shame on them. And you know what? Maybe they do the seven-step drop back and they protect him for whatever reason and he has a really good game and then Doug can throw it in our face and say, hey, we did the seven-step drop back and – um. Yeah, they got they got running backs in there that can't pick up blitzes. That's a problem. That's a problem. If if you know, so I don't know if the tight end missed a block, if the running back missed a block, if Wentz held the ball too long. But the basic gist of it is you're playing with a line that isn't good enough. And yeah, and I think the other part of this is, and you said you heard the question. Am I fair in saying it yeah. wasn't exactly a a a? It wasn't exactly who ordered the code red. You know? No, he no he no. It was the way he asked the he, he asked the question, and then Doug said, and then through that little, <laughs> well, don't give yeah, us the whole game came, plan. That came later, but Doug's first response was, "You're you're automatically making it sound like it was the inexperienced line's fault." Right, and then the guy said, "Well, look, if that's not the case, you can correct me." Yeah, and then Doug said, "Let me ask you a question," and that's when it got to the point that. You know, and then Bo said something like, "Well, then maybe the quarterback missed, held the ball, or the, or somebody, or the." And he said, "Yes, that's how he answered the question." So he's basically saying, "Yes, it wasn't just the line. That's what he. That's what basically Doug was trying to say." And like I said, if Les Bowen or Jeff McLean or um, Ruben Rube had been the guy asking the question, and maybe they wouldn't have asked the question that way. I don't know because I don't know this guy Bo well enough to tell you. You know. But I think that Doug might not have. But I think it's just a sign that they're defensive, and we we've seen this in Doug before sometimes. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot, but, but it's there. You know, yeah, but but look, every coach, every person, Kevin, nobody likes to be critiqued. I didn't like no. it when people critiqued what I wrote or what I said. Sometimes they were right, sometimes they weren't right. We all like to be liked, so to speak. If uh, that's the a wrong word, no. But, but I know what you're saying. And Doug does know more football than we'll any for, of the guys. Uh, he who forgot more football than we'll know. I get it. No, and he, even when Les is asking a question or Jeff or whatever, I mean, Doug's in the room. Doug knows what's going on. But you know, it just seemed to me. I think it was one of those frustration things that he's been hearing it all week. You know, and I think at some point it just piles up on you. And that's his way of dealing with it, I guess. I'm not condoning it. I'm not admonishing it. I'm just saying it happened and, and, you know, life goes on. If they win Sunday, you know what? We'll forget about it. True. If they lose Sunday, you know what? Holy hell breaks we'll, loose. We'll double down on it. And, you know, yeah. Um, so- I hope they don't lose to the Bengals the week after that. That would be this year's Lions. No, we already had this year's Lions. All right, maybe be, be this maybe. year's Dolphins. Well, they had two of those last year. Yeah, so they could have two of them this year. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Except beyond that, you get San Francisco, Baltimore, and you know Pittsburgh. what? It would be just this team's nature, though, to then go two and one in that stretch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know which two they would win. Although I think but- I have a pretty good idea which one they lose. Out of that group. Uh, the Ravens looks like a tough one. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that was going to be my pick. I but just the Eagles. The Eagles have surprised us in the last couple years. They, 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 you know, they've won a couple games where I remember I said they can't win that game. 
No. You know, they went to L.A. to one year and won that game, and I'm like, they can't win that That was the year they ended up losing in the playoffs in New Orleans. when they, Right. Yeah, when... And last year, didn't they win a game? Uh, maybe it wasn't last year, because last year they had that bad stretch. I thought they won a game that they weren't supposed to. That, was it at Dallas, maybe? No, they lost to Dallas. They got blown out at Dallas. Okay, I thought there was a game last year that they won, but maybe I'm wrong. We're, we're, we didn't think mm-hmm. before those last four that they won. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Well... No, there was a game in there, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a road game. Green, oh, Green Bay. Green right? Bay, right. They went to Green Bay and won in Green on Bay. On a Thursday night. Games. On a Thursday right. night. Right. Yeah. The coveted fo- Thursday night football. Did you miss it? It was back last night, so. I, I was. I actually did not get home from what I, what I was doing until like, I had, I had no, I don't have, see, this is why betting is important, because people only watch because they bet. Um. Now, I could have watched that game last night because, like you said, it was a fair lander. I could have watched Burrow play. I could have watched Mayfield play. But I don't – it doesn't do much for me when it's the Browns and the Bengals. You oh, know, sure. If, if Green Bay's playing Kansas City or something like that, I'll watch. You know, when, when it's a good game and you put it in front of me, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in and watch. But I just can't watch the NFL sometimes for the sake of watching the NFL. Yeah. That's just me. I will be watching the NFL for about ten straight hours on Sunday. So, okay, maybe yeah. maybe. No, flipping we just o- remember this though. The U.S. Open. I was on. just going to say flipping over for some golf to see yeah. if anybody's still under par over there, which I don't think will happen. Yeah, I think the, think the USGA got upset yesterday. Uh, somebody, somebody, 20, 21 guys. You know, par. you know the one fascinating part. We might do as well do me talk. a favor. Do yeah. me a favor. Just root for Xander Shoffley this week. Whatever yeah. you do. Okay. Is he making a cut? Well, he was two under after yesterday. I don't know. Who uh, he he, today. A lot of those guys. There's only five guys under par right oh, now. Oh, I know. He may, look. He could be one over and still be in contention. I mean, I don't know. Um, even par. He finished. Or even par. That's what he finished at. No, no. He's yeah. He was two over for today. Even par. I'm going to tell you right now. He he could almost be leading by the end of today. Well, no. The leader in the clubhouse is uh, DeChambeau at three. Three under. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. Patrick Reed's actually actually Reed is now at four under. As we I will tell this. you right now, Shoffley has a shot. Okay. You know the one thing that was interesting in watching it, how much different the U.S. Open is one without fans, obviously, but two the and they talked about how they kind of ease back a little bit because they didn't want six hour rounds because they're worried about daylight. Right, because it's not in June. It's not in June, and right. It changes the whole complexion of the tournament, really. Well, you had, two, you had two groups that didn't finish, so they finished this morning. It's, you know. Well, no, no, no. But I'm saying if they're easing back on the course. No, that was one day, Kevin. Okay. Trust me. The, the, the winning score will be probably over par. I'm not saying somebody, like one or two guys, might not shoot one or two under. That's always possible. But I will guarantee you by Sunday that course will be so difficult that, you know, I couldn't break 130 on it. Maybe from where they play. I mean, and I'm being I'm being dead serious. And watching Tiger like having trouble with a false front on 18, like he did again today, is dead guys yesterday as as easily as that was not as as soft as that was playing yesterday. They had guys who were only hitting like five or fourteen fairways. Yeah. Well, if you continue to do that the you, whole week, you will you will be double in figures in 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 no, plus. it's hard. You can't play out of the rough. Guys were hitting shots out of the rough yesterday. Mm-hmm. I could not believe. Patrick Reed hit a couple shots, and then he had the hole-in-one. 
Right. Um, and I'm just sitting there going, that's not, that usually doesn't happen. Patrick Reed um, is the guy that everybody will root against this weekend. Can you imagine if it's Reed and, Desha- uh, and DeChambeau? See, I don't hate either of those guys. I like, here's the problem with fans. And we see this, they, they'll sit there and say, oh, all golfers are plastic. They never say. Then two anything. guys that have personality. It's like, oh, guys these guys do. are. Yeah. Right. And then they're, they're going to kill him. Like Patrick Reed, and look, what he did that time with the cheating thing, I'm not going to say he was wrong, right? I read the stories. I wasn't there. And he is oh. a little bit of an asshole. What? But <laughs> what, he did the, what he did at the Ryder Cup those years was great. Patrick when Reed. He was, the Patrick yeah, he Reed. was sitting there cheering on, like, like, like rubbing his fist at the European fans and. That's great stuff. The Patrick Reed backstory also with how his family, could, he's from Augusta oh, and he couldn't go to the Masters because the wife wouldn't let him. Oh, Yeah, I, I mean, look, nasty. there's something there. But, you know. It's what? almost like John Daly level, like, goofiness. No, John, Dale, no, John Daly's a. a um, no, but uh, forget the, the alcohol and the drugs with Daly. There was also that Daly had a lot of other, like, stuff going on in his life with relationships and family no that, he's a bi he's bipolar he, yeah he's, john i don't uh, what's his name doesn't strike me as bipolar no um he, he just strikes something happened with him and his family right what it was i don't know um something happened there's a lot of families where stuff happens and people don't talk to each other and if you're not in that family you sit there and go how can that be because i talk to my family so i'm not going to blame him or may, maybe he's the reason maybe he's not the reason but in DeChambeau's case, I mean, here was a guy that came along a couple years ago, made the Ryder Cup team, and everybody said he was like a breath of fresh air. He he brings um, a different kind of technology to the thing. I think all, his, all the shafts of his irons are the same. So, like, his 9-iron and his 4-iron were the same, which for people who don't play golf, that's not the case. Usually the 9-iron is short or whatever. Right. Now this year he went out and put on, like, 50 pounds and is hitting the ball, like, 360 yards. I find those kind of stories neat. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want everybody to be Dustin Johnson, and I'm not knocking Dustin Johnson. I'm just No, but Dustin's also a, a Dustin's also kind of a a bland figure. They're all bland figures. Yeah, they are. Tell me who's not Tiger. Well, Tiger was wasn't a bland figure. Um until we okay. found until after <laughs> until the accident then he began. No, but he's a bland figure in what he said to you, what he's you know, Phil, Phil Mickelson who sort of never told you anything about Phil Mickelson, um, but he was the guy that smiled all the time. So we all thought Phil was, oh, look at Phil. Um, Dustin Johnson. Uh, you, I could name 10 guys because they're so into their golf. They're not person. They're not Lee Trevino's. No. They're not. Those guys don't exist a lot nowadays. They just don't. Um, Jack Nicholas was not loved until later in his career. You know, he was hated because he was the guy to beat Arnold Palmer. Um, but there's just a lot of guys that are so focused. And I'm not saying Dustin Johnson's not a good guy. No. Um, and he's married. To, he's obviously married to, to Gretzky's yeah. daughter. And- I've met him a couple of times and interviewed him. And he's a nice guy, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't, no. you know, and that's just, Jordan Spieth is a little bit like that. I think Jordan Spieth's a good guy. Um. You know, Rory McIlroy, I, I actually like Rory. I think Rory sometimes does try to tell you stuff. And then again, Rory will say something and he'll make a controversy out of yeah. it. That's why those guys don't want to say, say anything. anything. <laughs> well, let's get into some other quick hit topics. Um, the Big Ten is going to play football. Everybody's going to play football. Christ, I think the Mountain West now is 
talking about football. Uh, Pac-12 is talking. I think the Central League, seriously, the Central League is talking about playing Yeah, they are. Look, if they want to do it, go for it. I got, but here's my problem, Kevin. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, so there was a story today online about COVID cases are down in Pennsylvania or they're trending down, except right? for one place, Penn State, mm-hmm. right? Okay, but now they're saying that maybe the schools, and I'm t- assuming they're talking about the school district in Philadelphia, should go back, maybe go back by the end of the month. Right. The next story on in, on the online is about how going back to school increases COVID risk. Yeah. I- it's, so how can you have how can you be telling me in one breath to, that it okay it's, it now it looks like it's safe to go back? No, the reason it's safe, the reason the test numbers are down is because you are distant. This thing, yeah. So I feel the same about the football. Like you know, Temple University went back and figured out they couldn't go back, but they're going to play football. Mm-hmm. And I just I I don't see the um, what's the right word I'm looking for? The here? logic. Yeah, the logic is simple. It's money. Yeah. Not in Temple's case, necessarily. And I wondered how this is not, and somebody actually explained to me, that a conference can't be held liable on Title IX, but individual schools could. The fact that your football is going back, but none of your other spring or fall sports are. Right. Um, And somebody said because the scholarships are being honored, that's why it's not a Title IX. But it, okay. it, it'll end up as a lawsuit, I'm sure. Um. Well, as long as, I'll say this: as long as they're honoring the scholarship, though, um, while it might not be fair, it's yeah, you're still getting yeah, you're, you're still, still getting, getting a free education. I know, right? Exactly. Um, the Miami Heat are two wins away from the NBA Finals. Oh, before you get to Jimmy Butler, yeah, and I apologize if I said this to you earlier. I don't think I did though. Somebody from that I know very well, you know, you know very well, told me that Villanova, I'm just using, this is an example, mm-hmm. okay? I'm sure this applies to Temple. I'm sure this applies to whatever. For every day that they're shut, that they're doing virtual, mm-hmm. they lose a million point two dollars. One point two million. Think about that, Kevin. Yes. This is Villanova we're talking about. Well, the room and board. It's the room and board. That's why they Kevin, make their money. I understand that, but and, and that's why Temple, I think, apparently is, is saying kind of that. Kevin, can you imagine? That means if Villanova were closed for a year, it would lose $400 million. Yep. Especially when they've built all those new dorms and, and all the stuff out on Lincoln. Oh, driving. my God. Because they told me that if this continues, they're going to have to start laying people off. They're mm-hmm. gonna have, and I'm thinking, like, I never thought of it in those terms. Yeah. You know, I really didn't. Um, that's scary. It is. God. It is. Uh, I want to give you one quick stat. No, go with the, oh, okay. No, this go is ahead. tied in. Do you know the Celtics? All right, now you're thinking the bubble. This is going to be a weird stat, okay? The Celtics have played 11 straight games in the playoffs where the designated road team has won. Okay, Interesting. Dating back to game two of the Sixers series. Okay. Yeah. Because, see, we don't think in terms, like, realistically, when the series goes 2 2 1 1 1, like it traditionally does, yeah. we always talk about momentum and, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're going home. There's no now. momentum right now. There, there's nothing. No. It's just, you know, um, somebody told me, I mean, the Miami team, I think, has won. Um, I might get this number wrong. Miami is 10 and 1. 
Yeah, but they've won like six straight games as underdogs. Miami is 10-1, and one, and Miami has won every game that's finished in regulation. Right, but, it, but they've been the underdog uh-huh. in a lot of those games, is what I'm saying. Miami's really good. Uh, well, Bama Badadado is really good. Yeah, Butler, uh, Hero, uh, Tyler Hero can hit ball uh, shots from the outside. They're balanced, they don't, they're and they're well-coached. They're, they're well-coached. and Look, the Celtics are well-coached. Look, if this wasn't the situation with this bubble, I don't think Miami would necessarily No, be but they this. thrived off it. I, I think they're like, a year, they're like a year ahead of maybe where they should be. Um, and you know, but you got a bubble, so Milwaukee, in you know, for whatever reason, and then Giannis got hurt, and and you saw Toronto go down in seven in a great series. Um, Boston's yeah, worn so, out. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't think the series is necessarily over because if Boston wins the next game, I think they still have a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but my look, all credit to Miami, all credit to Spolstra. Because um, they won the other night, and Jimmy Butler only had 14 points. I yeah. mean, it's not like Jimmy Butler's averaging 30-some in the series. No, but it's Jimmy's Jimmy's bringing an attitude, and I think they've that's, picked up on that attitude. And that's, The whole point is when, and look, he might have said to the Sixers, I don't want to be there, okay? I don't know what went on in that, or, or Brett Brown or somebody might have said, look, we don't want him here, because, but we're, and, and fine. And maybe it wouldn't have worked here. Maybe, who, who knows what would happen. Right. But, but this is what Jimmy Butler, and this is what the Sixers do not have. They uh, don't have, and we're seeing it with Boston now, where Kemba really wasn't playing as well as maybe Kemba, and Hayward's been out. So, And I'm not saying Jason Tatum ain't a leader, or Smart isn't a leader. I don't mean it that way, but you need the balls that Jimmy Butler brings to the equation. And again, I go back to last year, Kevin. If they had taken, if the triple, quadruple doink doesn't happen, the Who Sixers knows? might have been NBA champions. I'm not saying they would have been. And I'll be but honest. They had a shot. I'll be honest. The way that Miami's playing right now, I'll take them over to Lakers. Well, I, look, I don't think anybody's unbeatable. I th- I really like Denver, but w- look, it's 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 going to be LeBron's year. I think barring something stupid, it's going to be LeBron's year, and it may be the last time he does because yeah. I don't know what the future of them is. I don't know if AD's staying there. Um. But look, they got two of the five players that were on first team All NBA. Yeah. Okay. I know their supporting cast ain't necessarily great all the time, but I think at this point, when I look at it, I just say, I, I, I think. Miami but I don't know if they defend the three well enough against Miami. That's I, my problem. I, I just I don't see Miami taking them out. I, I I could see a six game series. I could certainly. It's not, it's not going to be a Lakers sweep or anything like that. And I think the same thing with Denver. I think Denver will give them a series. I think Denver I, I will run out of gas. Well, you know, you say that though, but the other young—I mean, you know, your young guys—you're just playing. That's what they're doing now. They're just playing ball. Yeah. And 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 Denver's got to feel but so confident having come back from two, three, three one deficit. Um, you mentioned the Sixers. Obviously, our buddy Keith Pompey pointing out that he thinks Mike D'Antoni is the preferred choice in the organization. So wow. you got Tyron Lue. You got uh, Billy Donovan. They're starting interviews, apparently. I think they started, actually, this week. And then D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni would be a disaster in my mind. Just an outright disaster because the pieces don't fit. That's See, that's my assumption. 
right with you. Unless you're trading Embiid, the pieces don't fit. But I heard somebody say this, for whatever it's worth, that they think D'Antoni, and I agree, D'Antoni wants to play that way. But they think if D'Antoni came in here that he's a smart enough guy that he would play through what he has, that he would change. Now, I don't know that. You know, I know he had Steve Nash at one point in his life, and they, they were up and down the court, and Houston's up and down the court. Maybe D'Antoni, look, maybe he comes in here and says, look, we can't shoot, or at least my two best players can't shoot. I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't think Mike D'Antoni is an idiot, but I do agree with you that he seems like he's coached a certain way. And when he went to New York, and I'm not comparing New York to the Sixers because I don't think they had as much talent as the Sixers. Um, you know, it's funny. Like when Jack was on that roundtable we did a few weeks ago, and Jack McCaffrey was basically like, I don't think uh, Ben is even an all-star. Well, that may be true, but he did make third-team All-NBA. So, whatever. I mean, he did make first-team All-NBA defensive team. So, somebody must think Simmons is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Embiid almost made, you know, I think the thing the Sixers need going forward, whoever is the coach, mm-hmm. somebody's got to light a fire under those two guys' asses. And maybe it's impossible. Maybe Embiid and Simmons are just two of these guys that it's never going to happen for to the degree that we want it to happen for, right. which is a championship. Um, I mean, Billy Donovan to me is an interesting name. I actually like I, Billy Donovan. I like that's Billy. Me. Um. But we'll see. I mean, I like I said, Kevin, I, I don't know. You think they're a mismanaged organization. You may be right. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the general manager, but he's only been on the job a year and a half. They have to make some um, front office moves here before they even get to coach, but that's yeah, me. I mean, the biggest problem to me with the Sixers is not Embiid or not Simmons. It's Tobias and Horford. Yep. And I'm not blaming them. No, it's but it's just a, it doesn't it doesn't fit. It doesn't uh, fit, so you know um, you must you must acquit. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Uh, Jesus Christ! So we're back. Are we doing Sunday night again? Do you want to do something? No, we can't. We can't do that every week. No, I, you know, we did it last week because look, if the Eagles lose and you want to do it, I don't do know, it after the U.S. Open. Maybe, 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 maybe. We'll see. See how I feel. Okay. I'll tell you if, what. If Shoff, if Shander Shoffley wins the U.S. Open, I'll do it. All right. Because uh, he'll be on bragging. Uh, we're no, ba- I won't. No, no. I'll just uh. be satisfied. No, no bragging. No. He, he could finish 20th. I, I just took him in a pool. That's all. I got him in a pool, and I just I want to see him see him win or finish second or finish as high as he possibly can. We're definitely back on Tuesday. Uh, knock on wood. No unexpected Surprises like this week, and then we're back next Friday with our. What do you think? Show. Hey, the Phillies in their next six games, I think it is, have three TBDs as pitchers. Yep. That's you know, hey, look, mm-hmm. what do you think? Seriously, Kevin is going through Joe Girardi's mind right now. Television work wasn't so bad. <laughs> nah, that, no, and I think a lot of this. Let's be honest now. If they didn't, if if Rio Molto and Hoskins were healthy right now. And playing, they would still be the losing. bullpen still stinks, uh-huh. and you're starting. But I mean, he's also lost Howard, and I don't know what Howard was going to give you. I I don't know. He lost Arietta. Um, we were missed to start, uh-huh. right? Um, I mean, you just look at them and go, my God, yeah, like I, really. The only thing that matters to me right now 
other than them maybe pulling an upset in the first round of the playoffs if they were to get into the playoffs, mm-hmm. is signing the catcher. Because this town, I'm going to tell you right now, if they they have almost backed themselves into a corner. And every time that Sixto goes out there and pitches... There's no the almost. Really They've done it. Right. And, and, and the thing is, if Sixto was not pitching well or he looked like he stunk, uh-huh. I don't think people would be as up in arms, kind of. But if this guy is going to be what he looks like he could be for the next decade or so, and you don't sign this catcher, and the right fielder's not going to take that well, as you've pointed out several times, then you're just looking at not a good situation. And I think, my this is just my opinion, one of those New York teams is going to end up offering him something that he can't that's refuse. going to be so yeah. that, you, that you just can't match. My, that's going to be sad. The only way to save it is to break down the other two guys, the, the two guys at the top. That's oh, the only way to save it. Even if those two guys are gone, Kevin, it, this is a Middleton thing to me. Oh, I that part is true. Yeah, yeah. but um, but you have to instill confidence that your management can build the winner, and you can't let me ask do you a that question. with this now. If you're Middleton, uh-huh. I'm, I'm making you Middleton. Okay. And now he's got this injury. I don't know if this injury is a is a bad injury. It's a hip what injury. It? It's just a, it's, it's like a hip, hip flexor. Okay. And I said to you, listen, the Mets or the Yankees or both are going to offer him like they're going to go into the high twenties. You got to do you it. Know, it. Do you just have to say screw it? I'm giving him thirty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I don't know if you could thirty a year. No. Well, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. I think the market's going to be mid, uh, low to mid twenties. See, I don't think so. And I, the the reason is because of the new owner you got with the Mets. I, I think he's going to want to make. He's going to want to do something. No, I I understand that, and you're right. But he also has other holes he has to fill. I don't think he'll care. I I think I think a new owner, and then and if you get the Yankees and him involved, the last thing he's going to want to do is lose him to the Yankees. I Hell just, with the Phillies. I just don't. I'll, I'll I don't think it gets the thirty. Okay, I'm not saying thirty. I'm saying, but I'm. I think it's going to get above twenty five. I'll, I'll, I'll say that you're going to give him. Uh, well, it's going to be then Harper money. I mean, maybe not well, the length of years, but yeah. Oh, he won't. No, he's. I mean, it'd obviously be like a four year, yeah, five year contract. But I think, I think if the Yankees and the, and the Mets weren't involved, the I Phillies think have right. to. The Phillies have to get him back. That's it. That, there's no, yeah. no try. Do but once you say that, and that's fine. I'm with you. But once you say that, you have then to you have to be prepared for whatever comes out of New York, and that's assuming that Houston doesn't get involved. Yeah, you know, I'm just assuming that Houston isn't getting involved. Houston and Texas, yeah. But you know, you would know more about. But the New York scares me, New York, because sometimes those guys say, "Screw it." Yeah, throw I, the I, extra two million in the pot, Mike. At this point, if you're right, if they lose Real Muto, holy hell, breaks loose. And so this has to be part of the strategy is I'm going to show you I'm making front office changes. And you're right. And the right fielder who hasn't really played that well, last night he broke out of it. Right. And And has made better contact over the last three, four days. But this may be who the right fielder is. I mean, I'm just saying he's a really, really, really good player who may never never win another end, but whatever. whatever. But the right fielder is going to sit there and look at you and go, why the hell did I sign here? Yeah, kind of. 
Well, I know why he signed because well, he got three hundred and thirty million dollars. Yeah, mean, but he also could have taken a shorter term deal and gotten a, a big lump sum and then going back into the market. So does does he have a way of getting out of this? No, no. Okay, so he's okay. Unless he bitches enough that he gets traded, but who's yeah, going to take the contract? Yeah, I don't think that's his style, at least for now. No. I don't. All right, um, Mike. So we will see you next week. Just remember, Xander Shawfly. I understand. I, w- I appreciate all the support. That's fine. Our thanks to Jim. Our thanks to Jim Salisbury from NBC Sports Philadelphia for joining us. Our thanks for you for joining us. Enjoy your football U.S. Open Phillies weekend. This has been working the beat. Hey.